Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. <clears throat> I wanted to um, talk about faith tonight. <clears throat> and I was moved to, uh, to explore this. Um, it's a topic I've visited from time to time. It's been a while since I've spoken of it here. Uh, but I was with a friend who um, just finished a long retreat uh, at the uh, the Forest Refuge, uh, which is a, a really great place to to practice in um, uh, right next to Insight Meditation Society, uh, where you do somewhat of a semi self retreat. Um, for people who've done some practice before, and she was uh, sitting for three months. Um, and I hadn't seen her in, in, uh, in quite some time, although we, we check in from time to time, but I certainly hadn't seen her in the last oh, three, three and a half months. Um, she lives on the East Coast, but she was thinking about moving out here. Anyway, uh, I said, uh, so? What was it like? And she, she got into, uh, she shared with me a few of her experiences, uh, but she said, the one overarching experience is how amazing it is to practice and to actually wake up and to see things in so much of a clearer way where your mind isn't confused and your heart is open and there's just tremendous confidence and faith that as you have the intention to, uh, to do your work and to really look honestly at the mind and the heart that you can trust in life. trusting in life. This is not such an easy thing to do for many of us in, uh, in good circumstances, let alone in difficult circumstances. And certainly you read the newspapers and every day you're besieged by all the awful things that are happening in our, in our world uh, either man-made or the natural world. You know, I'm, I'm sure most everybody here was so moved by uh, what happened in Oklahoma this last week. I mean, you just don't know, as Joseph uh, Goldstein, my main teacher, says, um, anything can happen at any time. I mean, that is... The reality in life, anything can happen at any time. Given that anything can happen at any time, how can you have trust? How can you, what is faith about? How can you 
have a feeling of opening up and letting yourself be open to the winds of fortune. Faith is in the uh, in the Buddhist teachings, the word that's often translated as faith uh, is the Pali word sadha, S-A-D-D-H-A, which um, sometimes is translated as faith, sometimes as trust, sometimes it's spoken of as um, confidence, conviction, and the literal translation of the word sadha is to put one's heart upon something, to somehow, I'm elucidating that translation, uh, to get out of the head the, the, that's wondering or fearing what's going to happen next, and to somehow have the capacity and the courage to open up to life. And it, uh, it is really um, a requirement or a key ingredient in our spiritual lives. It's in the, in the classical list of the five faculties, five spiritual faculties uh, that lead, that are the, the, the source of, of opening to uh, deep wisdom and understanding. Faith is the start, that you have to have some kind of faith that there's a value to sitting down and being with your breath or sitting still and not doing anything. It's not very productive, is it, from the outside? that there's some value in that and that something will happen and that in that um, initial motivation uh, which can lead to a a kind of sense that this is a useful thing to do. First we'll just talk about practice. That faith leads to um, effort, the effort to develop one's mind and heart, the effort to, in your meditation, to bring yourself back each time you've wandered and bringing it back, hopefully in a very kind and loving way, but to keep on making the effort to learn more and more how to be in the present. And from that faith comes effort, the effort to be mindful, which leads to the third faculty, mindfulness, which is being present for your experience. And mindfulness, when developed, can lead to concentration. You start to uh, see things clearly in a way that isn't normally available to us because we're often so scattered that we, our minds are flitting about from one thing to another. But when there's enough stability of mind, um, particularly on retreat, but not exclusively on retreat, but when there's enough gathering of the attention, 
then you can start to see how this mind works and you can also see through the stories that you create to understand some basic truths about life. And out of that concentration comes the fifth faculty, which is wisdom. And what wisdom reveals is, on an experiential level, everything is changing. This might not seem like news, but when you see for yourself in a very direct way that life is continually changing, then you see that holding on to changing experience is uh, a futile endeavor and leads to suffering. And you also see the wisdom factor and faculty that even who we are is this process of change, that we're not some fixed abiding entity to whom life is happening, but we it's ourselves are the process of change, of life moving through us. And that starts to change our relationship to everything around us and to how we hold who we are. But it starts with faith. It starts with, or at least this quality of, to put one's heart upon and saying, okay, there's something in here that's, that's calling me. There's a a few de- uh, different levels of this quality of sadha or faith. S- uh, the first one being called bright faith. Bright faith is when you get very inspired by someone or something. Maybe you've seen the Dalai Lama, who's a very inspirational figure, or you've read a book that, uh, that really touches you and says, wait, maybe there's another way. As I've shared here a number of times, when I read Be Here Now, you know, that was it. Oh my goodness, I'm not alone. And I was gonna go for whatever this guy was talking about, uh, like many people in, in my generation. I remember reading um, the very first Dharma book I ever read was um, Autobiography of a Yogi. How many people ever ever read that? Okay. Yeah. So, and it's by uh, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, who uh, started the, uh, among other things, the integral. Uh, uh, what is it? Self-Realization Fellowship uh, down in, in Southern California and uh, uh, lots of really good seeds that he planted. And that book, I remember reading it and on the first page there's like three miracles. You know? And I remember reading that and saying, come on, you know, is this guy for real? And it just kept up. He said, and now then this happened, and then this happened, and then I had this vision, and then my guru came to me in a dream, and it, you know. And here he was talking about his absolute commitment to speaking the truth and to 
uh, to opening up to the mysteries of the universe. And he just kept on saying, talking about one mysterious thing after another. And after a while, I just said, who knows? Maybe, maybe there's something to it. Gosh, if, he, if it really did happen, like he's talking, what does that mean? And it just kind of short-circuited my, my mind. And uh, I started letting go of thinking that I knew how it was. Uh, which is a very good, very good place to be, to let go of thinking that you know all the answers. Mm. This is a, a, actually a very, a very key ingredient in faith, letting go of knowing, is a, a, uh, a line that I love in the Third Zen Patriarch. Uh, we've gone through that, that text here uh, sometime since we've done it, but... One of my favorite lines, he says, um, stop talking and thinking and there's nothing you'll not be able to know. You know, when you let go of knowing, oh, I know how it is, then you let go of your preconceptions and you see, okay, what's the, ap- the actual truth here? Let me be open to it. And that takes some courage and faith to let go of your ideas and opinions to see what's here. <clears throat> so bright faith is this inspiration. Do you remember what has inspired you, who or what has inspired you? Let's just uh, remember a book that turned your mind around or who spoke and you heard in maybe a new way. In fact, let's just take a couple of, a few comments. Where have you gotten your bright faith from that said, wow, okay, I am checking this meditation stuff out or this Dharma stuff out, or maybe I don't know all the answers and you were kind of uh, excited and on fire. Bright faith, let me just hear a few, Carly. Peace is every step. Uh huh. The breathing room. When you read the breathing room by Thich Nhat Hanh in Peace is Every Step, it did it for you. Something switched. Great. Patricia? Elizabeth Kubler Ross, The Wheel of Life. Great. Thank you. Yes. First chapter of the Tao Te Ching. That did it for you. Uh-huh. It was somebody else, yeah. Eat, pray, love. Yeah. And that's... That, uh, what was the first part? Yeah. As popular as it is, it helped get you there. Yeah. I, and I... Made her laugh about her foibles in meditation. And I have tremendous respect for a book like that that can reach so many people and have them hold things in a different way, especially when it speaks to us with all our own foibles. It's a, as valid as, as the Tao Te Ching. Yeah, right. What else, Nancy? Mm, Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. That was one that did it for me, too. Thin little book, Lazy Man's Guide. Yeah. <laughs> 
That attracted me. The Lazy Man's Guide, like, you know, 70 pages or so. Okay, I'll take this. But it blew my mind. Yes. All the way in the back. Uh -huh. A philosophy professor at 18 who taught about ancient Greece. And that something was transmitted there that woke you up. Uh -huh. Beautiful. And one la last one, once all the way in the back. Uh, yeah, Bill McKibben's book Earth, which I talked about a few, a couple of years ago, E A A R T H. That was one that uh, woke me up, also that I'm still reverberating from by Bill McKibben, who is. I think one of the more important people on this planet right now, talking about climate change. So when you have that bright faith that inspires you to explore and have action, and we, we kind of get on fire, and it's really, uh, it's a very exciting thing, but it's not sustainable. You can't be, maybe you can, maybe you can be on fire and keep it going, but particularly if it's around meditation practice, sometimes you go through um, what is called a, a, a good honeymoon period, where you are just really going for it. And when I first got turned on to meditation practice, I wanted to shout out to the world, you just have to be mindful. You just have to be mindful. My friends kind of like kept started keeping their distance. You know, yeah, okay, well, he's into his trip, okay. And then I realized I didn't want to turn people away with a hard sell. Uh, so I, you know, kind of learned to tone it down uh, after a while. But you go through this honeymoon period, and then often, um, as with all relationships, the honeymoon uh, is over and you at times are then faced with looking at your mind and seeing, oh, and there's this and there's that, that, and I'm still, I still have the same personality I had when I started this a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, you know, oh my goodness, Ramdas, who wrote Be Here Now, says, you know, you, he hasn't lost his neuroses. He's just become a, a greater connoisseur of his neuroses, you know. But it can be uh, a challenge when you kind of lose that spark and that fire and you're dealing, you're down in the, in the trenches with your life experience when things get really hard when um, you start to have a lot of doubts, which is a natural part of the journey too. Just like Jesus having doubts even on the cross. You know, why, why hast thou forsaken me? Or the Buddha having doubts all through his, uh, his very passionate journey and then at the very end just before he was enlightened just before 
he woke up, Mara, the embodiment of confusion, besieging him and saying, what makes you think you have the right to become awakened? And that was doubt. The very last thing after desire and attack and aggression coming his way through, in his mind through Mara, then there's, who do you think you are anyway? And the Buddha touches the earth. Any symbol? No, no Buddha touching the earth here, but you, the common gesture as the earth is my witness for all the sincere work that I've done over countless lifetimes, I have a right to be free. And the doubt leaves, and then there is awakening. So doubt can come to anyone, can come to Jesus, can come to the Buddha, and can come to us as well. And so faith um, is then deepened and forged when you go through your trials. It's one thing to be in the honeymoon and have the, uh, the spiritual dopamine going through your mind and your, and your heart, but it's a whole other level when you really face the hard stuff and confront your deepest fears and come out the other end. And then that bright faith is transformed into verified faith. And verified faith is where you see for yourself that there is something to hanging in there with your experience that you have the capacity to be with anything. And that is not dependent on, on some kind of inspirational figure, but, oh, it's right in here. It's right in here. And you know for yourself the truths that are spoken that you might read in a book. The one experience I had of verified faith. It's been a while since I've shared, shared it here, so I'll share it again. It was on my second retreat, and uh, I had been in the honeymoon phase for for a while. Um, but then uh, I did that second retreat, and it was hard. It was it was really hard. My body was hurting. My mind was was all over the map. And then I looked around and I said, what are we all doing here? This is so bizarre. Have I been tricked into a cult these last two years? What are we doing? And I was, I felt like a phony I was doing the sitting and the walking and going with the schedule. But, you know, the mind gets really contracted, so it's hard to um, see more clearly. And I had lots and lots of doubt. And I tried to do walking meditation, and 
I, I couldn't walk, I couldn't sit, and I was a phony, and, and what's worse, everybody around was a phony too. And what was the worst were the teachers were phonies too. They, we were all colluding in this grand conspiracy fantasy that, yes, we were all going to be deeper and wiser and more spiritual. You know. Ah, it's all a crock. You know. And I, it was very, very hard. And then I, I, I couldn't sit, I couldn't walk. Finally, I went to my, my little cubicle in this meditation center up in uh, Toledo, Washington. The retreat happened. And uh, there on the, my dresser was a picture of um, Neem Karoli Baba, who's the, the guru from uh, Be Here Now, Ram Dass's guru, who uh, always touched me. And uh, I still carry a picture around in my wallet. And there's a, a big smile. He was looking at me and smiling and just uh, kind of broke my trance. And as he's smiling, he's saying, hmm, getting pretty freaked out, aren't we? You know, that was, that was what was coming through the picture. Really losing it, aren't we? Uh-huh. And I realized, oh yeah, I just, I've just been in such a deep doubt of confusion. And in a moment, I just kind of, it's like I shook off all of that that stuff that my mind was going, going through, and I saw, oh, this is doubt. This is just doubt. That's what, I, yeah, it's one of the five hindrances, and oh, I see it so clearly now. And uh, I got very excited, and I, I lied down for a moment and just felt real appreciation for all the sincere, sincere work I'd been doing. And uh, what I got really excited about was that I conquered doubt, I said to myself. <laughs> I conquered doubt. You might hear the I in there. Uh, and in that, I couldn't wait to tell my teacher that I conquered doubt. Wait till he, he's going to be impressed about this one. Unfortunately, the interview uh, was, uh, was quite a number of hours away. And between that, and I got really excited. Wow, this is so cool. I conquered doubt. And then I kind of got really high. And then I crashed, my energy crashed because I was so high for a while. And then I got confused. And then I got kind of like spacey. And then I had a little bit of remembering, oh yeah, I, I, I got through doubt. Oh, shit, oh, did I go through doubt? <laughs> no. By the time I got to the interview, uh, I went to Joseph, my teacher, and uh, I get in there, and he says, uh, so, what's going on? And I sighed in utter exasperation and innocence. <sighs> it's always changing. And he said, 
that's it. You got it. And I realized, oh, that's what you keep on telling me, huh? That's what you keep on saying? Oh, just keep on noticing how things change? Oh, my goodness. I think I do get it. It's been changing a thousand times in the last six hours, you know. That's it. No place else to be. And it was a very powerful moment seeing, oh, I get it. I really do get this idea about impermanence, that things change. Not just a, an idea, but my actual lived embodied experience. Oh, yeah, far out. And that gave me a lot of courage to realize I don't have to fix anything. Just be here for the show. And that verified faith and perhaps you've had your probably if you've been doing this for any period of time and you're still here and coming to sit with people you've seen for yourself something of value that has happened with this and it's seeing it for yourself when you know for yourself as the buddha says when you know for yourself this is what leads to suffering and this is what leads to happiness then you don't have to pay attention or believe anybody else. This is what it's about, knowing for yourself. So then the bright faith becomes verified faith. And as you keep on deepening your understanding with that courage and that conviction, you have what's called unshakable faith. And at times, it can develop stronger and stronger unshakable faith is no matter what happens, even if there's doubts that come, there is a a perspective that can hold those doubts. Even, Even if somebody, if the Buddha himself came and said, you know that mindfulness stuff, I was just kidding. It wouldn't matter. I know that mindfulness works. And that kind of you know, cultivation of, of your verified faith to unshakable faith um, is, uh, is, is quite magical. Now, faith is different from hope. And hope is a, is a very um, tricky word. And it's a beautiful word on the one hand. I use it all the time in my emails. I hope you're doing well, you know. And I really mean it. And I hope that things uh, work out for you. But when we get caught up in leading with hope, that hope can sometimes work against us if the hope is not grounded in some kind of trust in the unfolding. As uh, this line from Seneca, the the Roman uh, philosopher, Stoic philosopher, he said, "Um, you cease to be afraid when you cease to hope. 
because hope is accompanied by fear. And that can often be there when you say, gosh, I hope this works out. And there is just the subtle, what if it doesn't? If you can hope without the attachment and without the fear that what if it doesn't, then that's a beautiful kind of hope. Actually, um, I was just uh, with uh, Joanna Macy when she was at at, uh, Spirit Rock for Earth Day, uh, our Earth Day event, and she she said for years she um, hated the word hope just for that reason, but she's just come out with a book that's called... uh, is it Active Hope? Was that the name of her book? I forget the name. Active Hope. And she said she's having a, a new relationship to the word uh, because, yeah, things are dicey, but we have to still hold a positive vision. Not out of fear, but just out of, out of that, that vision. So, where can we get our faith from? And uh, what are some elements of it? First, as I uh, said a little while ago, there is a quality of courage in faith. You you don't know how things are going to turn out, but it's a willingness to show up and a willingness to to just let go of your assumptions about how you think things will be. And that courage can be rooted when you realize that in your life you've shown up for all the other trials and tribulations that you've gone through, and somehow you've made it through. Isn't that so? We can forget, you know, we can have a lifetime of facing our fears and have gotten through all of them, but somehow the next one is going to be the one that we don't go through. And if we look back and see, oh, wow, I keep on growing. I keep on making it through. Maybe it gives us a little bit of or enough courage to see, oh, what if I just show up for this one too? And one of the roots of that courage is, as I said uh, just a little while ago, seeing for yourself how everything changes. So, if the truth of impermanence is really understood, then whatever you're going through now is not the final destination, is not the end point, is not the place where you say, wow, now I really got stuck. Now I'm in a fix for good, or not for good, for bad, but now I'm stuck. When you realize, oh, this is going to change as well, then it gives you a little bit more courage to be here for how things are and what the lessons are in this moment. 
And also when you see for yourself that truth of impermanence, it gives you a little bit more um, confidence that when things change and they change from the sweet, delicious part to some hard times, that that's okay. That that's part of life too. That our sorrows are just as important as our joys. That our opening our hearts to the difficult stuff is just as important as opening it to, to the beauty because the difficult stuff makes us stronger. <clears throat> and what faith or this sense of trust uh, also is born in is um, letting go of the control that you never had in the first place. Just realizing you didn't have control. You know? So what are you setting up that maybe if I get it all together and I get all my ducks in a row that, you know, then I'll be okay. Seeing, oh, what a freedom it is to let go of the control and just meet the moment as, uh, as it appears. Because faith isn't so much faith that everything is going to work out. That's where there can be a, a kind of confusion. Well, if I have enough faith, it's all going to work out just the way I want. Uh-uh. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not usually how life works. You know, if it does, consider yourself lucky for that little gem that you got. Oh, I was really having that vision and it worked out just the way I wanted. Great. Don't count on it being that way through most of life. Life is so much more infinitely creative than our plans. And there's a kind of freedom in letting go of our plans. So what is the faith? Not that everything will work out, but that we can trust that awareness can meet the moment when it comes. That our awareness we don't have to have the ultimate plan with all the different contingencies. It's good to have a plan, and it's good to maybe have some contingencies, but that our awareness can see what our circumstances are here, and if there's enough clarity, enough space, we can respond wisely. Wisely and kindly, when there's enough space, the wisdom can shine through. That means letting go of figuring out how things are going to be. This is uh, probably a disease that most of us share. Needing to figure out, trying to figure out, trying to kind of outsmart the way things might be, or needing to get the answer, when really it's about letting go of the answer. Stop talking and thinking and there's nothing you'll not be able to know. And just seeing, coming into things fresh. Oh, this is how it is. Mm -mm. 
And when you have the, the courage to let go of your ideas and thoughts and figuring out and trusting that you can meet life as it comes, uh, something kind of miraculous happens. Because when you move from fear that things won't work out to a trusting in the natural unfolding of things, you're more in rhythm with your life. And things do seem to be much more navigable. But when we're living in fear and we expect that the worst is going to come, then we contract and we are out of alignment with the natural way of things. So this is a kind of uh, magic where you can really open up to respond wisely to life and let life support you. Albert Einstein said, um, perhaps the most important question a human being can ask him or herself is, is the universe friendly or not? It's a great question. Because whatever your hypothesis, you'll be right. If you think of the universe or life as unfriendly and dangerous, it probably will be. Because that's the confirmation bias that your brain looks to confirm. That's how our brains work. If you look for how life can be supportive and friendly, you'll start to see all the goodness in life. Now, I'm not saying live in denial, bury your head in the sand, and just pretend everything is okay. No. The first truth, there is suffering in life. But if you see basically the benevolence of life, the goodness of life, the goodness in, in, in people's hearts, the perfection of nature, how it's all somehow miraculously in this fabric, this web of perfection, even with earthquakes and tornadoes and volcanoes and tsunamis and the wonder of a beautiful sunrise and the seasons changing and war and love, that it's all part of the package. And underlying that, when you can rest in trust, there is a peace that we can access this is amazing. This is miraculous. So uh, it's almost time to end. I'll just close with a poem that I, I love by Dana Falls called The Choice. Is it faith or fear that rises to the fore? Affirmation or negation at the very core and center of the self? Will it be light or dark within the heart today? The icy grip of fear that knots and sours, leaving me to cower in the shadows? There's another way. I know it surely as I know the scent of spring. The choice of faith invites, invokes, calls forth from all creation both the blessing 
and the lesson of the day. Whether faith or fear, the choice is mine alone. Each moment, choosing, stepping through the door, trusting that the path beyond will surely lead me home. So uh, we'll just open it to uh, some conversation in a moment, but I'd just like you to reflect for a moment, if you would, go inside. And what do you know to be absolutely true about life that inspires you? What can you draw on that helps you access trusting in the unfolding of life? Whether it's impermanence or goodness or mystery, when you're going through your doubts, as we all do, what can you draw on in your wisest moments? And when you do, do you notice how life, how life supports you? when you somehow can hold your fears with kindness and compassion and you can even see through them how life has been here all along in the form of good friends and love and opportunities and beauty and goodness inside and outside. And what would it be like to have more and more access to that, remember that in the hard times? You can choose. If you can remember, you can choose. All the times that you've gone through your hard stuff before and keep on growing. Here it is, this next moment to enter the same way. So um, just have a few minutes. If there's any question or comment, we can just take one or, or two or so. If not, then we'll just uh, close. Okay, let's... Uh, just have a very um, short loving kindness.
You, know, you might appreciate the fact that you're drawn to come and sit with others on a Thursday night. Something in you calls you to want to do that. Just feel the blessing of that. And send some kind thoughts to yourself. May I uh, see through my fears and connect with a sense of trust in life. May I see through confusion and connect with all the love that's inside and share it well. And may I more and more wake up to see who I really am, my true nature. And then extending that out, may all of us here and out towards all beings in all directions may all find happiness and peace and trust in life and share their love well and awaken. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. So, thank you very much for your attention. <clears throat> Have a great week. See you next week. And uh, come check out this, uh, this woman, Jalaja. I think it's going to be cool. See ya. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.